Hey, NSN. Welcome to another episode of Ross Never Sleeps. I'm your host, Alex Ross. In this episode, I sit down and chat with actor slash director slash comedian slash best looking guy I've ever interviewed, the wonderfully talented Phil Luzzi. Seriously, this guy says good looking as he is talented. Phil is very close with a lot of Toronto comedians and actors and worked with them or directed them in various works. And we talk about how he's helping his fellow actor and comedian push their game to the next level. We caught Phil just during his Fringe Festival run, where he directed local comedian Helder Brum, who's also been in an earlier episode of Ross Never Sleeps. And Helder Brum is directed by Phil Luzzi in his one-man show titled Born With A Tale, T-A-L-E. I saw it opening night, and it was simply fun and hilarious. And Phil really elevated Helder's stage performance. Phil also works very closely in comedy partnership with the very great Sandra Badalini who's considered Canadian comedy royalty in Toronto. Anything that they're working on together guarantees a memorable laugh. Phil talks about working in the Canadian landscape, both in theatre, in film, and of course, also broadcast, and why Toronto deserves more attention than it receives, and how the United States affects Toronto and its star system. Or lack thereof! Thank you, Phil, for another great episode of Ross Never Sleeps on the Never Sleeps Network. Phil, you're literally coming from Born with a Tale, your friend show. That's Which right. show was this? Five? Uh, this was number three. Three, okay. So, yeah. three episodes, you're three episodes, three shows in. It's three not an episode. I'm so, <laughs> so used to not talking to anybody in theater. You're doing theater. Is this your first foray into directing? No, I directed my comedy partner, Sandra Badalini, in her solo show called Classy Lady. We won a Canadian Comedy Award for that, even though Canadian Comedy Awards don't exist anymore. But at the time, it was like super cool. <laughs> Do you know what I like about you and Sandra? What? Is that both your last names have like this weird mystery letter in it. Yeah, hers has one that people pronounce and she doesn't want pronounced. <laughs> I have one in there that I want pronounced and doesn't exist. I've been a fan of Sandra's. I know we're, we, I, I bring Phil in and literally Ben Minor just walked out the door. Yeah. And I'm like, can I talk to you about Sandra? Is that okay? Like you did an Italian cooking thing with Sandra and now Phil's coming. It's very serendipitous. Yeah. So I guess we have to have Sandra on the show now. You, she would love to be on the show. Yeah, she's comedy royalty yeah. in Canada. Absolutely. And how did you get connected to her? We met really coincidentally i was working at casino niagara and i brought my staff to see tony and tina's wedding at second city i happened to really hit it off with sandra's character and we coincidentally met after the show she came out of the dressing room and i was waiting for my friend at the uh, washrooms and uh we started talking she gave me her name and i told her i did some community stuff she said you should submit your stuff to our producer and i did and two weeks later, I was in Tony and Tina's wedding, and I quit my job at the casino. Amazing. Yeah. So, she's a big deal for your big break. Yeah, she is, like, a huge reason why I'm even doing what I'm doing right now in Toronto and everything. And you call her your comedy partner. Yeah, but she's my best friend. 
Wow. Just so unprofessional to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So you are the silent T to her audible G. Yeah. Good one. (laughs) I love that. That's going to be merch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I only take 5%. So just so you know that off the bat. But seriously, my girlfriend, and I think a lot of girls that are going to comedy shows, they don't have anybody that they can like, and for a lack of a better term, bro out with. And I'm not saying Sandra's farthest from a bro, but I think that, you know, the way that Ben and I can like talk about poo and pee jokes, not to say girls don't like that stuff, but when Sandra does it, and Sandra does have a few of her own potty jokes, you know, I think it helps girls be like, oh my God, this is funny. Yeah. And when it's not coming from a boy, it's a little bit more presentable. Yeah. The way I see all the girls laughing when Sandra's on stage, it's like, that's why female comics get a bad rap. It's tough to make that connection. But when they do, the even the guys are like, oh, this is so funny. Yeah. Every time I'm watching Sandra on the... I just told her this last week when I saw her on a show. I'm like, you know, you make people laugh... It's kind of like in a wild abandonment way because they're laughing, not thinking they were going to laugh at this stuff. You don't expect a girl to say some of the things she says sometimes and she gets away with saying it because she's so so headstrong about all her opinions and it's really cool. Because she does say shit that girls don't usually say. No, and I'm fortunate enough because I go to the comedy underground, the underground where we bumped into each other. Yeah. And I was just talking to Ben about that. It's like the most approachable com- comedic you know, or like comic to, you know, audience member venue. Yeah. And like Sandra just kills it there. Always. She, yeah. Like maybe it's a little bit of the the party favors flowing around in, in the room. What party favors? But she fucking, like, I've never seen, I think she, when she starts realizing that her own material is funny and then she starts getting into it, yeah. it's just everyone gets so attracted to that and it's infectious. She's, yeah. she's an infectious, I think that's a big, there's not a lot of infectious comedians anymore. I think it's like, here's my joke, do you like it or not? I'm going to perfect it until you, it's, it's yeah. nailed for this audience. Exactly. She just pulls out her book of tricks and then... Next thing I know, the whole place is going nuts. Yeah. What's what's your style of comedy? How do you write? You know, I've only seen you once uh, at the Underground. Yeah. And you were pretty much just like you had your material, you did your five. Yeah. You you did your thing. It was yeah, great. Yeah. You left. What what kind of comedy do you like to do the most? Where did you start? Let's let's go early. Uh, I love doing the Underground. That's where we started doing a show called uh, the Sal and Sandy Show, like seven or eight years ago. It was one of the first regular shows at the Underground, and we did that for a long time. I didn't start doing stand-up comedy until maybe eight years ago, and only now in the last two years am I doing it pretty regularly. But I write like Sandra's kind of guided me in that way. I always carry around a notebook. Because that's a rule of hers. Always I always used to think. Own. Yeah, I always used to think that was a crutch. Yeah. Now I realize, no, man, that's your palate. That's like an artist. Yeah. Like I, I had Matt O'Brien on once, and I said, "What do you think about comedians who still bring their notebooks on?" He's yeah. like, "I do that every show." Yeah. I'm like, oh, how do I get myself out of, <laughs> out of this, this one? one? You know what? I went through a period too where I'm like, "This doesn't look good. You shouldn't." And that's if you have like a big show, like you're doing a JFL showcase, or you're doing like some sort of like big deal where audiences are expecting top notch, they paid whatever paid for their tickets that's cool not to say oh i forgot what i was going to do i didn't prepare because i didn't think you were important enough to prepare for but luckily there's so many rooms in toronto where they want to see you work shit out and there's enough places where there are opportunities to do that that's the best thing about a notebook you get an idea like right before on the streetcar on the way in and you just write it down and you have a place to fuck around with it so where did you start how did you start 
your foray, I'm using that word again, yeah. into, into comedy? Mm, I guess I started at the comedy bar a few times and I started at the underground mostly. Un- the underground is my favorite place to pr- do stand up. So I, I've been a, an observer. I'm, I'm, I don't, wouldn't call myself a journalist. This is me having conversations, but I've been aware of, you know, I've been observing the industry for, you know, 15 years. You've been around. Yeah. You've always been around. Yeah. Well, what is that about you? Where did you start that you just kind of, is it acting? Is it writing? Is it, because I don't, when I heard that you were directing this, yeah. to me, I was like, oh, this is a perfect place for Phil. He's an actor, must be a great director. He wants to do that. That's his realm. Yeah. As a comic, when did you start realizing, oh, I'm a comic. I'm not just an actor. I'm not just a director, but I'm also this. Yeah. Sandra pushed me. She's uh, like, Sandra. Yeah. She's like, you're hilarious. You got to just do that joke. Just try it on stage. Don't worry. And, right. And then when you bomb and then you have, like, you know what? What me and Sandra have is really cool because not a lot of people have that person who will say, even when you bombed, like, don't, like, just, like, cheer you out of it. That best friend you had in the schoolyard, you know, who's doing the exact same thing you are. And it's cool because we are able to, like, cheer each other on all the time. And I don't know if I would have had the courage to do stand up. I'll be honest with you. She sounds like an amazing person she and friend. Is. Yes. Yeah. And she the is. most lovable person. Rob Pugh calls her the gooch. Yeah, he and does. Anytime I think I... I was there when he birthed that. <laughs> yeah, that does that is a term that gets birthed. That is definitely a birthed term. But I can't help. That's just like her perfect nickname. Yeah. And the way they just rip on it on each other, like him and, and Jeff Paul at the underground. Yeah. The gooch. Yeah. I can't do it. But a gooch. But a gooch. They they eat that shit up. And yeah. like you that comes with a kind of respect that you earn. Yeah. And I'm not kidding that. We I joke, I was touring, I was you know, helping some of the talent, Jeremy Dobsky in Montreal. And I was talking to, you know, they're like, who's the biggest this and that? Who, If you had that one female comedian, one male, who's the king? Who's the queen? Who's yeah. the jester? Who are all these people? And when it came to the queen of comedy, we were all like Sandra. Like, yeah. we'd all have different answers for every other. And I don't think she realizes it. Well, In a good way. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying she's ignorant. Yeah. But I'm saying that I think she's modest and realizes she's still working towards her own stuff, yeah. her own feelings that... She would never be like, yeah, I'm the queen of of kind. That's like the last thing she yeah. would ever think. Well, because she also does so many other things, right? Acting. Like she, yeah, she writes. She's in films. She does web series. She also directs. It's strange with Sandra because you'll see her name on lineup posters that you would you'd be like, oh, if there was going to be a woman in that lineup, it would be Sandra Badalini because she's the only one who would kind of like make sense. And I know there's a lot of like all female shows and women would usually say, oh, there's already all male shows. So it's hard for us to get on. And that's why we have these all female shows. And Sandra does those too. But Sandra's just like this anomaly of like, it doesn't matter because she has these hard ass jokes that anybody will love. We should have her on together. Oh <laughs> yeah. We've so done we lots ta- of podcasts together. <laughs> so It'll we should talk instead of talking to about her, about her it's like in spirit. In front Sandra, of if you're listening, we have a huge, like nine and a half by 12 picture of you right here. And we're just like <laughs> candles. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, no, I, it's not easy. And especially because, and I, and I don't know if, if it's experience because she's been doing this, you know, twice the amount of time that a lot of the younger comedians yeah. have. At first you hear the name, you're like, Oh, I know that name. Yeah. And then she comes up on stage. You're like, Oh, how many times have you seen Sandra in just like any television show or, yeah. or Canadian production that's yeah. been out there? Same with guys like Pat. You know, you'll hear the name Pat Thornton and you'll be like, I know that name. Yeah. And then he gets on and you're like, oh, this is going to be the best. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm so ready for this. Yeah. So I think that's that's a, a, an eloquent way of, of saying, you know, 
you know, Sandra's the, the royalty, you know, I, I'd say Pat's up there too. And these people that, you know, the name rings a bell, you're either a huge fan and you know instantly, or yeah. you are you're like, oh, why do I keep seeing that name? Or I've seen the name and then you see them on stage and you're like, okay. then you realize you're a real fan. Yeah, when you exactly. Finally see them. And I think that's what's great about the Toronto comic scene is we have all this great talent and, and then sometimes you'll be at a $5 show and you'll be like, oh my God, I just saw Sandra and Pat yeah. on the same lineup. And this is like, you like I don't care what you say about LA, New York, Vancouver, that just happened. Yeah. That doesn't, those kind of caliber doesn't happen more than once a month. Yeah. In, in those other cities and it happens weekly, you know, it's unbelievable how regular these people are, are yeah. performing. Are you doing regular nights? Do you do a lot of stand-up lately? Now I know you're busy with Fringe. Yeah. I always say I'm going to and then I don't. Like, if I get out once or twice a week, uh, that'd be cool. That's great. But, pri- like, because pri- when Pride happens, there's always, you're busy. And I was busy last week up until Sunday. And then now I have to book my own stuff or stuff that I've already been booked on. So, like, one show a week. But Sandra's out, like three or four times a night i mean uh, a week three or four nights a week minimum and that's the kind of balls you got to stick to the wall so it's pride right now no well, yeah to, for me it's over i guess it's okay. still going on because now they want a month right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to talk about that stuff that's i know you're an openly homosexual comedian yeah. that's that's a that's part of your act that's something that really makes you stand out yeah because you're not your stereotypical gay comedian in my right. opinion you know okay cool no I, <laughs> no seriously though i i think when i when we see you you're also very you're ad libby you you like to go off on your script yeah you, you like how do, okay i'm engaging the audience they're in my hands right now where do i go with yeah. this but you're not afraid to talk about you know topical matters is totally. is is pride is is the you know having a month now is that a big deal to you or you're just no. like what's what do, what do you think about pride in toronto how it's evolved i think pride as an event is cool brings people from all over the world and my favorite thing about pride is seeing straight people like i love when i see straight couples with their kids there i don't know why i'm like this is cool these people are cool i don't like i think it's awesome that it exists I think it's cool that Black Lives Matter used it as a platform yesterday to protest. Whether anyone agrees or doesn't, I still think it's cool. It's not something I go, I'm like, I can't, I'm not doing anything on this day because it's pride and this is really important to me and I'm going to wear my glitter booty shorts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were doing a whole set of fringe shows all week during yeah. pride. Like, like there couldn't have been more of a pride overlap with yeah, your fringe shows. Totally. So were you like, during the day, you were like putting your director hat on and then at nighttime, put your, my go-go boots, your glitter booty shorts. <laughs> no, I just kept it during the day. I went home probably and just ate and watched a movie. <laughs> Did you check out any of the parade stuff? Did you do any of that? I know your your shows are at like four thirty. Like today like- was four forty five. Wednesday's nine forty five. It's all over the place. Okay, I did go to the parade yesterday because I really, I wanted to see the prime minister, which was a big deal, huge deal. Yeah. For some reason, I didn't think it would be, and then I saw him, and I'm like, this is pretty cool. My problem was, at the parade, I like to wander, yeah. so sometimes you'd be next to a float as you're like following it down the path, and then there's all these people with squirt guns yes. who feel like, oh, we're going to squirt you in the face for like five minutes, and we think it's really funny, and you should think it's yeah. funny. And at the same time, I'm trying so hard not to react, trying yeah. not to like flip people off. <laughs> be like, dude, like I get it. You're like elevated. You have a water gun. <laughs> Like, go ahead, shoot me. Like, I get it. Like, I, but then Trudeau is now in the parade. Yeah. And he's walking. And these people are squirting him. 
and shooting him with water. And I'm like, I get it if it's me. You don't know me. There's no repercussions. Yeah. You know, I wander away and you're like, haha, quick laugh. Like, you're an idiot. I'm dry. Uh, <laughs> but it's, I'm looking at all these photos and he's soaked. I saw those too. Was he's, it for squirt guns? God, what, he's not like he's sweaty. I don't think Trudeau sweats that much. I mean, it was a hot day does yesterday. He have, does he not have fucking security guards? I mean, all he does is have security guards. You, see, you look at all the photos and it's him surrounded by like, literally on every, like people are surrounding him, a security guard. So he's always got like human bodies protecting him. Yeah. And he's drenched head to his beautiful pink like, wo- like shirt, yeah. white pants. Like he couldn't have dressed more appropriately <laughs> for the the occasion. <laughs> take that with take that any way you will. Listen, this podcast, here's the rule. Here's the rule. If Phil laughs, it's then okay. it's okay. Okay? That's the rule of this show right now. <laughs> But in all seriousness, don't shoot Trudeau. You just don't shoot the... Pri- I know you have the ability to shoot random strangers yeah. with water. Show some respect. Show some... I was really... I was like angry at the most yeah. non-thing you can be angry about. Yeah. And it was just like, come on, like, where do you draw the line? Don't shoot your prime minister with water. And then he's got the happy, he's like, you know, love it, squirt me, yeah. yeah, like, you know. Squirt, squirt me, me, prime minister, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I opened that door. That was my fault. All right, let's go back to French. Born with a tail. Yeah, born with oh a tail. Oh, my God. Okay, born with a tail, T-A-L-E, takes one of my favorite local comedians. Like, first of all, I see Helder. Helder Brum, for those who don't know, he was on, I think, the second episode of this podcast. Cool. Him and Dan Gallia. Wow. Uh, we're on the second episode of this podcast. The first being... Actually, they might have been the first, and Pat Thornton and Gary Rideout Jr. were the second. Okay. We've had some big names here, Phil. There's I know. A, just kidding. I see on the walls all these autographed pictures. <laughs> Next to the big one of Sandra. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> the shrine. <laughs> but Helder, I've been watching him over the last few years, you know, really find himself. And you took his budding act, you took basically his 10 minutes, his 15 minutes, whatever you want to call it, and you gave him an hour show. And you t- you said, hey, like, let's talk about Helder. What makes these already great comedic bits that you're developing? How do we make this with some audiovisual? But you stripped it down. You made it really about Helder, very little audiovisual. There was some there, which was really, I, I thought, important, and, and, and it was done really well. But I'm looking at Fringe. I mean, I was going to go because of Helder, but then I see that you're directing. I'm like, okay, a, a comedic director, comedic actor, directing somebody who needed that push. And I and I said that to you when we left, when I bumped into you through Deja, uh, Deja, who's the, the writing uh, director or writing coordinator for the Baroness Von Sketch Show Love, at huh? CBC. I told you right then and there, thank you for kicking Helder in the ass. Because he didn't know what he was going to do with all this. And he's the type of guy that he's like got the talent. Mm-hmm. And and Dan's, Dan, I, I feel it's the same way. But it takes a director. And it, that goes without any, that goes without saying, you know, any actor, any writer, it really takes a director and a producer to really kick your ass and realize how to make this into a show, how to make this for an audience that isn't, you know, a 50 seat comic club. Right. And how do we adapt this to theater and fringe? Ain't something to you know wag a stick at, you Not know. These days, yeah, yeah it's a big this deal. is a big deal. Yeah. So how do you how do you get involved with Helder in the first place? Did he come to you? Yes, of course, because oh, it's his show. <laughs> yeah, 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 He wrote it, and uh, he just asked me to be a part of it. And I've directed, like I said, Sandra Badalini's solo show and Precious Chong's solo show, and they're all different. You got to just kind of go with where that person is right now in their life. And Heller is not like a huge theatrical, you know, 
dancer, singer, or anything like that. He's a comic who tells... He's a storytelling comic. He has, like, three shows, and two of them are storytelling shows. And it's just, like, something he really does. He's told all the stories that he tells in the show I've heard before. So it was just about putting them in a certain order and going through the stories and finessing them so they present really nicely. And he has his claymation, audiovisual supplements which he are, does that People he doesn't know we forgot that. to put that in the program i'm like helder we forgot to he's like don't worry about it we i'm like what do you mean people that's are like gonna his love first to love. know that yeah that's like his first love and people don't know that about it. that's only that's a ross never sleeps inside scoop he <laughs> mentions he's like yeah i do claymation and all this stuff I'm like what who yeah, are you I know. like where does this all come from exactly he's also had four million jobs yeah which he talks about in which the yeah, yeah he talks about all the name tags yeah. in his store. great bit yeah. i don't want to give too much away I, we actually sincerely liked it oh, now i'm not just having you and i'm not here to feed your ego there's very few shows at fringe that actually draw a major visceral reaction and again you said it yourself i've even heard helder's some of those stories not all of them obviously but if you're a fan of the comic scene and you've seen helder perform those are some of his big stories yeah but the way you develop them and added the audiovisual and pushed them to tell them and i'm sure the like you can see his the direction that was given to oh amazing thank you no you can only because He's not doing a comedy act. Right. Right? He's he's acting. It's right. a way different audience. And again, he's fringe. You know, a lot of people, a lot of these are like, and I hate to say, you know, baby boomers yeah. that are just like, oh, born with a tail. I'll go see that yeah. comedy. I'm like, <laughs> I can laugh at this. Yeah. I, I think it was really good for him because he's not a filthy comic. He's not dirty. Yeah. He's very straight. He's lovable. He's adorable. Yeah. He, he, he looks good. <laughs> he's really like buffed up yeah. or something. Or maybe it was that black t-shirt you made him wear. No, no. That was his choice. I didn't consult on wardrobe at all. And he's been taking stairs instead of elevators for months now. That's the that's Riding the key. his bike like a beast. That's the trick. <laughs> stairs over elevators. Yeah. We're going to have so much merch after this shirt, Phil. <laughs> What do you think of the reviews? You're three episodes in. Yeah. There's a few reviews hanging out. I mean, in my opinion, just as an outsider, they're positive. What do you think about them? I think they're great. You know, we got it from Mooney on Theater and Four Ends and Now Magazine. You don't know. I've been in so many shows. Like, I started out doing musical theater and then doing comedy. I've been reviewed. I hate that feeling right before you're about to read a review because it's just good or it's not good. Sometimes you're shit and you, they caught you on a shit night and they're going to say you're shit. But then other times you're like, oh, it's just an opinion. It's an opinion and we value it because it brings in other people to see the show. But it can't like as a performer affect what how you feel about the product you created. It's a strange thing. It's like commercially important, but creatively stifling. Have you seen ticket sales increase because of your reviews? Not necessarily, because Fringe is a strange thing. You're comping uh, some tickets because you want friends and colleagues to see it and reviewers. Then you have ticket sales, but not a lot of people are pre-buying Fringe tickets. And then you have door tickets, and that's only something you see 10 minutes before. Well, when I was there, and obviously Helder's a a big community comic but yeah. all the comedy all the comedians came out to see him yeah like every everyone he's that loved I, yeah he's so loved which yeah i mean it's it's hard to get people to come see your shit i know you know it doesn't matter how fucking successful you think you are yeah. like like all these other people have their own lives they have their own shows uh, that's what shocked me the most that many comedians like obviously it was like a midday you know it was like a six o'clock or something but like to see that many comedians maybe miss a 7 o'clock or a 7.30 set to do because they wanted to support Helder really says something about Helder's career. Yeah. And I think this is the big push that you're giving him that he's giving himself because he needs that next 
thing. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to you guys. We loved it. Thank you. Uh, what's it like being the director when you're used to being the actor or the comedian? It is an opportunity to learn, actually, because when I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to direct him in a way that doesn't, I don't want to change him. I want to keep the essence of who a hell there is and who everyone's expecting to see and love and just do what I think would make the show better and create like a framework for him because now he has this tight, like an hour to fill. So it has to all fit and it has to all make sense. I just want to know what his comfort zones are. We went through all the writing first, and luckily he had a workshop presentation he did at Bad Dog Theater like a month or so beforehand just to get his feet dirty, you know, and we went through the tapes, and he had to write everything out. That was the first thing. Then we had to just edit, like move shit around, get rid of some stuff, and then get it on its feet and get him comfortable with those changes. It wasn't that much. I just try to stay close to the essence of the performer and then clean up movements and add a little bit because I'm very physical. He's not like a very physical person and I am. So I see these opportunities to be like, you need to like show us the excitement right now. (laughs) Be in the moment. He's very like stoic storyteller. You just listen because his voice is there. But when you're on stage, you have so much to fill. So you have those opportunities to get a little physical. And he's doing that. And it's awesome. Now, do you see yourself more as a director or an actor or an actor's director (laughs) or director's actor? Uh, I'm an actor. I think I like directing because I've only directed for really good friends of mine. And that's fun because I think we have a relationship where I could be like, hey, do this and that. I don't know. I've directed strangers, I guess. It's so hard to be comfortable with somebody telling you what to do. So I understand what you mean. You have to be close friends with them. But that also shows the testament to your creative side. You know, they want to trust you creatively as much as they trust you as their friend. Yeah, That, that is a huge compliment. For sure. And I feel good when, and even more so, I feel this responsibility to not fuck it up because <laughs> I don't want to do a disservice to You them. didn't. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything else you've directed and I I dissect what I see. It's yeah. just naturally who I am. Yeah. Like, I, I would, wouldn't would want you on this show right now if Helder's <laughs> show was shit. Sucked. You know what I mean? I have yeah. nothing, ha- nothing to talk to you about. You know, so you're doing a show right yeah. now, but I didn't like it. So, so what else is going What's on, What's your favorite Phil? Yeah, apart. that's right. <laughs> but at the same time, like, did, did you personally catch any other Fringe shows? Do you get to compare yours to anything else? Do you have, do you have a favor from this year's... Like I haven't. That? I've only seen one. It was called A Lover Improper because Adam Lazarus, who has directed me in the past and is an amazing character, director, and actor, also. So I wanted to see what he did with this uh, performer. And it's a solo show, very uh, biographical, amazing. I loved what he did with it. Also, very subtle. And um, I haven't checked any other shows up. Well, you're busy. It's not like you're not directing yeah. your, your own Fridge show. <laughs> yeah. And it's Pride. There's a lot of stuff going on this week. I'm done with Pride. It's it's over It's me. over, folks. Yeah, it's Phil like- <laughs> says it's done. We gave you a month. Phil only needed three days. <laughs> not even. It's not fine. even. So do you see yourself directing more and more? I'm like, is this a path you want to take? I want to go back and forth because sure. I feel like when you're acting, you get this appreciation for the direction. And when you're directing, you get this appreciation for acting. So it's kind of cool to just be able to bounce back and forth maybe another friend show 
You know what? What it's it's incidental that it's fringe. Okay. You know, because that's just a festival. But what makes fringe different is the bare bonesness of it. Like it has this feeling of like it's just a simple performance. You have to be able to like build your set and strike it in fifteen minutes. And I feel that the thing that it's lacking the most is like the injection of comedy. Right. I feel like all the successful fringe shows over the last few years have been the ones that have the most comedic value. Yeah. And they kind of scare away from that. They're like, oh, we don't want this to be a comedy yeah, festival. Waka waka. Yeah, yeah, right. But like, I remember seeing shows that aren't necessarily known as comedic shows. Like a couple years ago, there was um, 52 Pickup. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about that yes, one. Yes, of course. Um, now, it's not supposed to be funny, but mm-hmm. then because it's a, such an interchangeable show, for those who don't know, it's a different cast every time. It's a 52 suggestions on playing cards that they throw on the ground and essentially pick them up as they go and and they they have to either bring back storyline or kind of connect them and the actors that did the show I did realized that the audience was laughing at every little thing and they realized okay we got to take this in the comedy direction yeah. and then the, at the end the whole place was was just on their feet laughing yeah because fringe sometimes has this like connotation like Hoity-toity. A little hoity-toity, yeah, yeah. you know, like, you know, but like that goes, that's Toronto in a nutshell in a lot of ways, yeah. like without having to try, Toronto becomes hoity-toity without somebody being like, no, 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 yeah. this is why it's not hoity-toity, and the people are like, oh, yeah, and then the hipsters take over, and then yeah, it, you can, it either becomes a staple or it dies. Comedy does have an underground, I mean, an underdog sort of like stigma to it in the city, and me and Sandra talk about it all the time, actually. She's writing a letter to the Prime Minister right now, <laughs> Actually, turning into an article about how comedy is not really funded as much as other things that are calling themselves theater and art. It's like, well, what makes comedy like where can we bring comedy so that when we say things like Ontario Arts Council, Canadian Arts Council, when will it apply to comedians? When will those benefits come to us? And when will we be able to use those resources? Well, for emphasis, she should squirt them with a squirt gun. I agree. And just soak the PM. He he clearly likes that. So, other than Sandra, yes. who are some of your favorite comedians in Toronto? I love, well, here's the thing. Alex Pavone. I love Steph Tolev. Uh, Helder Brum, obviously. Ali Hassan. Deputy Giovanni, she's not here anymore either. Well, either Steph. I mean, yeah. and, and I talked to Ben about this. Who Ben? Rob Bebenek. Hilarious. Yeah, we were talking about all these comedians who are going to LA. Yeah. Steph, Deborah. Dave Merhej is gone. Yeah, well, and and it, it's funny. We we keep saying they're gone. Yeah, well, and then in two weeks they're like at the underground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, there's a big star right now. He's back from L.A. <laughs> Dave Merhej, everybody's like, Dave, you were here like a week ago. We get it. You're trying to make it out there, but like, what's what's what does L.A. mean to you, or what does the the ability to perform in the U.S. mean to you? More people. More people, right? Yeah. Other than that. I hope I don't have to leave Toronto because I think, first of all, when it comes to comedy, Toronto's got it over all of North America. There's a reason why Sandra's writing that letter. Yeah. And I see it all the time. It's a shame that those comedians... Everyone's like, I'm I'm doing my papers. I'm working on my papers right now. And it scares me because I'm like, I really don't want to live there. I don't want to live in a place, A, where someone can own a gun. And after I tell a joke about being gay, decides he doesn't like that. And just can shoot me because he was allowed to have that gun. And that's what I said. I said to Ben, I said, I don't want to live there. I don't care how many more people there are there, how more successful, in quotations, you can be there because more money means more dollars. I mean, more people means more money. 
I get it. I mean, actually, more money means more dollars to you. I was going to say, because it really does. More money equals more dollars. (laughs) But also because as a Canadian, more money in the States means more Canadian money. But if you're living in the States, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, I don't want to live there. Yeah. You know, as a Canadian and as a proud Torontonian, and you're right. I've been to even, like, Ben Miner talks a lot about the Vancouver scene being really good, too. And and I said, uh, is it because of LA, all these people? He's like, no, man. Like, the Vancouver scene is good because of Canadian Vancouver comics montreal scenes growing and the toronto scene i think it's better than i mean i think it's better than what i know of the other cities in toronto but i mean i get it you get you know you have the laugh factory you have the comedy cellar and even in new york you have ucb and all these places and that's where a lot of these you know big names tina fey all mm-hmm. these people getting their start and that's why they're huge but i mean second city is a big deal to us here in chicago there just needs to be more emphasis on the careers of famous Torontonians and I famous agree. Canadians yeah. to really emphasize how much is actually the incubator that is Toronto. That's, I mean, I'm sorry, New York, LA, we're giving you a lot of good talent yeah. and that only for you to take credit for it. And I think there needs to be more of an appeal here, you know, for every comedian that wants to get their papers and go papers and go in LA, I think, you know, Sandra maybe writing this letter can help figure this out. What's the incentive instead of them going there? What's the incentive for them to stay here? Who's? The comedians that want to leave. There is none because like for example, me and Sandra are like we write shows together. So we have pitches and we go on pitch meetings. And you have one concept and you pitch it to three different outlets in Toronto, you're done. If they don't want your project, you have nowhere else to pitch them. But in L.A., you could have meetings on a project for months with different producers until someone bites. It's never ending. It's just a different kind of uh, situation. I remember taking a workshop in New York City like 10 years ago, and one of the producers was talking to me, and he's like, oh, I just noticed your number is at 416. Where is that? And I said, Toronto. He's like, "Uh, do you live there? And I said, yeah. He's like, well, if you want to go fishing, you got to go where the fish are, he said. Like, what are you doing out there? You got to just come and... That's where showbiz lives, is LA. And again, I just had this conversation. There's 30 million people in in Canada. There's maybe three to nine at any given time in Toronto. There's like 30 million in California, just like hanging out. You know, I get it. You go where the fish are. But I feel like you're... you're, I'm repeating myself from an hour ago, but if, if you're still looking for that million people mark... It's achievable in Toronto mm-hmm. just as much as 1 million people in LA. Maybe it's easier to hit that 1 million mark because there's so many more people to consume it here. To yeah, that that will see your act, that will see your material. I get that. Yeah. But I feel I still feel like it's the same 1 million people that are going to be attracted to you in LA that are going to be attracted to you in, in Toronto. Yeah. I think the major thing that's missing here, I agree with you. And I think the thing that's missing is a star system. Is like, for example, JFL is bringing in most of their huge acts in from the States. They really promote American comics where they could fill their entire festival with Canadian superstardom. And they don't call them that. It's true. Like uh, DJ Demers. He was a big deal and he was on Conan and he comes back. And then the next year he's not on JFL. It's like... Why aren't you letting him ride this huge wave right now? Whether you're a fan or not, it doesn't matter. It's like he is coming off of a huge kind of like trajectory and we're kiboshing it. We don't know how, 
I hate saying that. Anyway, you know what? We need stars. We need to big, make big deals out of the people we have here, so they'll want to stay. Now, do you think that's just like a miss on their part, or they just don't know him for being on Conan, and they just know him as a Canadian? You know what I mean? Like, how, who are these people that are making these decisions? Because you know that as a fellow friend and, and comic, and I've, I saw him. It's funny, when you're in Toronto and you see anybody who makes it to the Conan stage, yeah. you're like, oh my god, I can't believe yeah, it's any like of surreal. these people are here. Yeah. So it's obvious to us. Why? Why wouldn't they jump on that? It's it's hard to believe that they're not do we, they're not putting one and one together. It's not like it's a big stretch. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. JFL sold to me as like Louis C.K. and other big comedians. Yeah. Like Louis C.K. is the biggest comedian right now, so we're gonna have to put his name, maybe Bill Burr. Like, yeah. And now we who know, I love, no like, question. Love. Yeah. But not to. But I like your idea. If JFL was like Canadian only. Yeah. Or they'd bring in secondary acts from the states. Bring in Bill Burr, and but, Louis, but like but make the them headliner this, is right, Canadian. Ali Hassan. You yeah. know what I mean? Or whoever it is, it doesn't like <laughs> hometown talent, <laughs> Montreal's own Ali Hassan. I'm a huge fan of Ali's. Yeah, uh, I'm absolutely. Or whoever, anybody like, who even does Alex Pavone. Alex Pavone could fill an hour at a, on a JFL stage, and people would want to watch that on TV, hundred percent. And you can't. I'm sorry, you can't. Fucking go to LA and see Alex Bavone and Ali Hassan on the same stage no. ever for five dollars. Yeah. Welcome to Toronto. Yes, exactly. Well, like, you should be paying twenty plus dollars to see them any given night. I've seen so many shows in Toronto where I'm like, this is like a seventy five dollar theater ticket and it's in a dingy Basement. Garage, yeah, like retarded. <laughs> but I'm that's like, what makes <laughs> that's what makes Toronto Toronto. And that's what makes the Canadian scene. Because the same thing when I was in Montreal. I was like, okay, I've been to some pretty shady Toronto venues, but yeah. Montreal just really makes it extra tasty and extra extra shady. But that's what's part of it. I'm like, why am I in? I went to the Yellow Door. You ever okay. heard that in Montreal? No. It's like an alt for like amateurs, oh, okay, no. like really young. Okay, probably have the name wrong. Maybe it's not Yellow Door, but I think that's right. But I, I you know, Grumpies and Comedy Works and yeah. stuff like that. But it's so grimy in compared to Toronto. Yeah, like Comedy Works is like the underground here in Toronto without the pot smoke. Yeah, and it's on the second floor. <laughs> and it's on the second yeah, I floor. Did, I did a weekend there, actually, with Sandra and Chantal Marostica. How did that go? Tell me about that, because I really want and Montreal awesome. to strive. Montreal is almost like what Toronto is to L.A. I feel like Montreal is to Toronto when it comes to the comedy scene. It's always like... Toronto's amazing, but people want to go to LA. In Montreal, it's amazing, but it's not incubated enough, so they just want to go to Toronto and then go to New York. I see like what New York is to LA is what Montreal is to Toronto. Okay, that's yeah. probably a better analogy. Because like there's so much culture and like deep rooted pride and patriotism, not for the country, but for like this culture they've seemed to like maintain. It's like been diluted in Toronto. We don't know what's what, but there's something really like old school uh, European about Montreal. They have like these old school values. People make eye contact way more <laughs> in Montreal. It's really cool. I, I mean, <laughs> if you speak English. Yeah. Well, they don't know that when you're just making eye contact. True. They'll tell you to fuck off when they hear you speak English. <laughs> <laughs> they'll first make eye contact with you, then they'll tell you to fuck off. No problem. That's what separates us from Montreal. Yeah. yeah. So what's next for you? So next for me is developing a film right now. Come on, okay, yes. that's, and, that's and, hard. Yeah, I I just have theater to, wasn't easy enough. Eh? Yeah, I know. I do want to. I want to get into producing. I want to like just get my ideas down. And I'm working on uh, a pilot with Sandra right now for a show called The Knitterati, where we play a married couple who owns a knitting store, and uh, Massimo's in that as well. He plays our mobster cousin slash landlord. Massimo comedian Massimo Canestrano. Okay, yeah. He's uh, hilarious. He's a great actor. 
Do you know him? I, I have to see the face. He's like, uh, yeah, he has a baby face and at the same time looks like he could kill you. He's got curly black hair. So what's with the 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 FBI in in, in uh, the fucking big Italians here? <laughs> hey, we got to keep it close scene. together. You yeah. know, we got to protect. Actually, it has nothing to do with him being Italian. It's just so funny. Even though our char- my character is Italian, so it made sense that my cousin was Italian. But we also have an adopted black daughter, so that balances obviously yeah (laughs) welcome to canada so great so this is a pilot you're making yeah you want to do film i would love to do film yeah i think i don't know like when you have ideas sometimes you're like is this a tv show or is this a movie especially when you're in toronto in canada yeah it's hard it's hard to be like do i want to devote this amount of my Mm -hmm. life to it and not get paid enough or do i want to put this amount of my life into it and not get paid enough the great thing about toronto is their film festival is one of the tops in the the world studios right down the street yeah we feel it come september yeah so are you a big movie guy i love watching good movies for sure but i don't go to the movies like every week it's not something i need to do i just like if i hear a good movie's out i'm gonna Go to the theater or, or wait for it to come I'd online. like to w- watch it in the theater, but sometimes I have to find it other ways. In Canada, you're also spending 20 to $30 sometimes. You get, especially for like IMAX. That's ridiculous. I see like one movie a year. Really? Yeah. And how do you pick which one that's going to be? The one that... Okay, now that the technology is where it's at, and because people complain about IMAX, the goggles and the 3D stuff, yeah. like, give me that. I only want that once a year. Okay. Because I don't get that anywhere else. Right. So it's got to be visually stimulating. stimulating and stuff you can only see on a big screen. If I can get it somewhere else and watch it at home, and I have a pretty... just as good. Just as good. Yeah. I can go to the washroom. I can pause it. Yeah. I can make my own freaking popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, got, I figured you out, movie theaters. I know, I know how to do it here. I'm on okay? to you. <laughs> But like a couple over the last year or in a half, I saw Mad Max, right? Oh, yeah. Because you, how else are you going to get that experience outside that's the of, kind of a movie, movie theater? Yeah. yeah. But and that's why all like these Star Wars and all these movies get so much. Because know, they have that extra that's thing that, to That's offer. why people go. I know. Other than the, the lore that is Star Wars. But like most Star Wars fans be like, oh, it's online. I'm just going to get it online. I know. But then there's kids and even most adults are like, I'm going to spend that extra 10 bucks throwing goggles. I, the, the goggles are going to say Star Wars. I'm going to take those goggles home and put them on my shelf. I'm never going to touch them ever yeah. again. They're going to collect dust. And I'm going to be like, those are the goggles I wore. <laughs> episode 12. And that's what they want, though. They, they that's do. That it's a legacy. Mentality. I don't get it. I just don't get it. That's I why I don't want yeah. to go to the movies. I know. Too many people like that. <laughs> but, like, when you're in a movie and then you get to see it in a movie theater, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think it's also other people that prevents me from going most places. <laughs> you know? Are you agoraphobic? I'm not agoraphobic. But, like, because we just did the Pride Festival, right? Yeah. But I couldn't stand in one spot. I just couldn't stand being annoyed by the same people. Group of people. You have to, like, change up the gotta, annoyance yeah, factor. Yeah. Like, oh, this this family's annoying me because they got their two kids. They're like, I can't see. I gotta, gotta yeah. move. Gotta yeah. move. I'm yeah. not really agoraphobic. I just, like... Low tolerance. Very for low. Shitheads. Oh, my God. <laughs> and especially if you're one of the people that squirted our prime minister. Oh, shit. You're done for. You're ah, done for. I didn't know he got squirted. I was like, how did he get soaked? How did he get soaked? You know what I mean? Like, I just put two dudes. together. that's a lot of squirting. Like, soaked? Let's talk about Trudeau squirting. Okay. On for another 15 minutes. <laughs> All right, Phil, I have to thank you so much for coming, man. It's an My absolute pleasure. pleasure. I, I'm, I just want to talk to you. I know. And Sandra yeah. will have to have her next to her shrine. Yes. So it's not just 
Yeah, we'll blow up these candles words. and just relight them. <laughs> when she comes. <laughs> How do we find you on social media? At Phil Luzzi. Okay. Same thing at, on Facebook. No T. Yeah, no, no T. L-U-Z-I. On Instagram, it's uh, starring Phil, at starring Phil Luzzi. Ross Never Sleepers, sleep tight. Phil Luzzi's putting you to bed tonight with his silent tea. <laughs> what do you call it? A silent tea? Yeah. What do you call it? Yeah, silent tea. Because <laughs> it's not there. I know. It's not like you could call it a <laughs> Oh, silent- sorry. It's invisible, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sleep tight, Never Sleepers. Nighty night.